Well, we'll turn to Deuteronomy chapter 27 again, and we'll be reading a few verses there. But just there's something which uh, is worth maybe thinking about for a moment. We constantly say that there will be a one-world church, and we can see evidences of this uh, all the time these days. This is a little thing about what was happening in Cairo. Exorcisms and alleged apparitions of the Virgin Mary are occurring in Cairo, in two of the city's poorest neighbourhoods. And the two phenomena are drawing in throngs of the faithful, mostly Christian Copts, Coptic Christians, but also Muslims. And this is what we've been saying. There will be a one world church. You'll say, how on earth will the Muslims and the the Catholics and others all join together? But you know, we have said it so often that the the Catholic Catechism says that either Allah or Jehovah will be man's judge on the last day and they are one and the same person. But this most recent event is the one which occurred last Friday in the El Warak neighborhood located in the Giza area. The Egyptian Gazette reports that many claim to have personally witnessed the Virgin Mary on the roof of St. Michael's Church with her arms opening in their direction, while the smell of incense and a flock of doves surrounded the area. This event allegedly occurred at least twice, but a church appointee was unable to capture it on his video. And uh, they're expecting the the Pope of the Coptic Church, he's in America at the moment, and he's going to come back because he's going to set up a committee that will look into these alleged apparitions and decide on how now the sizable amount of money offered by the faithful should be dispersed. It's interesting to note that even Muslims worship the Virgin Mary in so far as she's the mother of the prophet Jesus. They regard Jesus as a prophet. And I was noticing that some of these terrorist organizations in Palestine are now claiming that Jesus and Mary were Palestinians who were persecuted like they are being persecuted in these days. The There's a book which has been written and it just shows you the truth it says. uh, This is a papal book about revealing Mary through papal encyclicals. That's these uh, letters which the popes write uh, to the faithful on occasions. The truth never changes, it says, but is revealed through time to a greater degree until the point at which it is fully known. Such is the role of Mary through salvation history as revealed in 12 different papal encyclicals that have been used with permission from Liberia Editrice Vaticana and comprise the highly acclaimed Mary Ever Virgin Full of Grace, a study of papal encyclicals on Mary and it goes right back to the, the Leo XIII's encyclical as a starting point for the worship of Mary going right up to the present day. 
And what it's saying is that in each of these encyclicals, there's a little bit more and a little bit more about Mary's role in salvation through Mary until it comes to the uh, final one, which is now the one which Pope John Paul, in 1987, he produced one, Mary as the Redemption Mother. And this girl says in her book, Mary's role in salvation and examines why now is a pivotal time in human history to recognize Mary as mediatrix and as the perfect way to Christ. It's all happening. They are producing a little bit more and a little bit more and each time putting Mary further and further into the role of the main mediator to Christ for salvation. Right, <clears throat> let's look for a moment at Deuteronomy chapter 27 and we'll read a slightly longer reading today from verse 11. And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim, to bless the people when ye are come over Jordan. These are the tribes, Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar and Joseph and Benjamin. And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse. The tribes were Reuben, Gad and Asher and Zebulun and Dan and Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the people of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and putteth in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be he that setteth light, by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that perverteth judgment of a stranger, fatherless and widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife, because he uncovereth his father's skirt. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbour secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of the law, 
to do them. And all the people shall say, Amen. We come to the next stage of this chapter 27. When they had passed over Jordan, had erected the stone-plastered wall upon which all the words of the law were to be plainly written, the uncut stone altar had been built and sacrifices offered thereon. Then followed a time of rejoicing and eating. After this the, this, after that, the, this amazing scene and this event was to take place. The twelve tribes were to be divided into two groups, each representing in some way one side blessings and the other cursings. Nearby were two mountains, Gerizim and Ebal, with a valley between. Apparently, it, it looks as if there had been one mountain that had been divided and they had this valley running between them. One mount, Ebal, was now quite barren. The other was very fruitful. And those chosen to stand on Mount Gerizim were to bless the people while those on Ebal to curse. How typical these mountains are in lives around us today as well as in the times of Moses. How barren is the life that has lived away from the blessings from God. It is fruitless, fit for nothing in the service of man or beast. It cannot sustain life or even its own life. Yet how many try to live their lives in this barren wilderness, away from the fold of God, away from the tender shepherd's care. The difference is the life blessed by God, producing the fruit of the Spirit. That's God wanted Israel to, to be a blessing to those around. And so with a Christian, we should be a blessing to those around us, giving help comfort and the food of the word to our neighbours reminded of that chorus we used to sing years ago I'm living on the mountain underneath a cloudless sky I'm drinking at the fountain that never shall run dry oh yes I'm, yes, I'm feasting on the manna from a bountiful supply for I'm dwelling in Beulah land God wants us to be fruit, fruitful, to live in the land of blessedness. Things may not be good around us, but we can live in the blessedness of God's love. He wants us to come away from the mountain of curses. His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to seek and to save that which was lost. To save those who are under the curse of sin and to redeem them through his own blood. He bore the curse of Mount Calvary for you and for me. Am I living 
in that blessedness? Or have I wandered astray and wandered back to the mountain of the curse? There were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold, but one was out on the hills away, far off from the gates of gold, away on the mountains, wild and bare, away from the tender shepherd's care. Lord, Thou hast here thy ninety and nine, are they not enough for thee? But the shepherd made answer, This of mine has wandered away from me. And although the road be rough and steep, I go to the desert to find my sheep. But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, or how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found his sheep. But that was lost. Out in the desert he heard its cry, sick and helpless, and ready to die. Lord, whence are those blood drops all the way that mark out the mountain's track? They were shed for one who had gone astray, ere the shepherd could bring him back. Lord, whence are thy hands so rent and torn? They are pierced tonight by many a thorn and all through the mountains thunder riven and up from the rocky steep there rose a cry to the gate of heaven rejoice I have found my sheep and the angels echoed around the throne rejoice for the Lord brings back his own he wants us to live on the mountain of blessedness Here again we have the Levites, the priests, instructing the people in the ways of God. I want to look just at a few of these curses that were declared and that were to be declared uh, before the children of Israel. The people all responded in agreement when these various curses were pronounced. And the people, it says, shall say, Amen. How easy it is to give lip service to the teachings of Scripture, but how difficult it is to live by them, especially if we seek to do it in our own strength. It is only through submission to the will of God, to His Spirit in our lives, that we are able to stand against the enemy by making use of the armour of God which He has supplied for this, this very battle. Some of these laws are so relevant for us today and for the world today, even after thousands of years. So let's look at verse 15. Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and put it in a secret place, and all the people shall say, Amen. Molten images, carved images, what are they? It says, an abomination unto the Lord. Today, we look around, we see graven images in churches of all types. And all religions 
Anglican, Roman Catholic, Greek, Russian Orthodox. We, we see them all around us. Graven images. We will look for a few moments at some verses in Ezekiel chapter 8. Uh, so turn for a minute to Ezekiel chapter 8. And we'll just refer to a couple of things in this. Ezekiel was caught up by God and given a vision of the errors which had crept in to the worship of God in his day. See the abominations Israel were committing. Look at verse 14. The Lord brought him to the door of the gate of the Lord's house which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Who was this Tammuz? In almost every religion, there is a mother and child goddess. Some would say the law leads back to the mother of uh, Nimrod. The, the wife of Nimrod. Apparently, after the death of Nimrod, his, his adulterous wife gave birth to a child and she claimed this child was supernaturally conceived. She taught that Tammuz, the son, was a child god and that he was Nimrod reborn and that her child and herself were divine. Whether that's true or not, there is throughout all these pagan religions a Tammuz-type god. Mother and child worship. Numerous monuments of Babylon show the goddess mother, Semiramis, with her child, Tammuz, in her arms. And that's been going back going on for thousands and thousands of years. This verse also uh, talks about secret worship of false gods by Israel. Proverbs say stolen waters are sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. They produced these gods, Israel, and hid them away so that they could worship them in secret. But this type of worship has spread and is still rife in churches today. Verse 16. Cursed is he who thinks lightly of his father or his mother. You know, the Bible is constantly telling us to honour our fathers and mothers. Paul says that is the first commandment with a promise. That thy days may be long in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Israel were not to treat this relationship to their parents lightly. It wasn't to be a light thing. Today we see all around us a trend of dishonouring and of disobedience of children to their parents. Second Timothy three verse two For men shall be lovers of their own of their own selves 
And it goes on to say, disobedient to parents. If you want a description of today's world, look at 2 Timothy 3. The first five verses we just look at in a modern translation, New American Standard. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Now, no one can doubt that we live in difficult times at present. For men, these are the signs that we're in these last times. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. Tell me, do you not think that is a, an amazing description of what it is like in our world today? Holding a form of godliness. We see all these people having a form of some form of godliness, some kind of spiritual life they all want, but denying the Lord Jesus Christ and the God of heaven. And you know, Israel gave a resounding Amen. But you know, they failed. Treat their parents lightly. But also, you know, sadly, the world today treats God lightly. And God asks the question of you and me as he did of Ezekiel. We look at everything that's happening, the abominations. Do we treat them lightly? Here's what it says, Ezekiel 8, go back to Ezekiel 8 and verse 17. Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger. And lo, they put the branch to their nose. That was a form of worship of pagan gods. They carried a, a laurel thing in their hand and this was a sign they were worshipping the pagan gods. Same idea as kissing their hand to the sun. Uh, we, we've said about that before, that it is still done by little kids when they're saying goodbye to their grannies or something. They kiss their hands and wave. Uh, and that was what they did. They used to kiss their hands as a sign to the sun when they were worshipping the sun. Is it a light thing? You know, as Christians, we look around at what's happening in churches today 
Is it a light thing to you? Or are you concerned about it? Are you concerned about ecumenism? Are you concerned about the emerging church and all these other things? Is it a light thing, God says? That in the church that they commit the abominations which we see today. Verse 17. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. This was a, a very important thing. There are many much more sophisticated ways for people to steal from their neighbours these days. In those days, slipping out in the dark and moving an ancient landmark a little at a time was one method condemned by God. But you know, today the poor are still oppressed, not given land rights in many countries. Our big business using its clout to override the smaller business until they have to close and then they are able to move in and exploit the market when the opposition has been eliminated. We have large chemical companies, companies going out to the third world countries patenting local wild medical cures in order that in the future they will be able to exploit these people in the market. And all the people said, Amen. And so should we. Unless we hold some shares in some of these companies. And this can be joined, I think, with the curse in verse uh, 19. Going back to Deuteronomy and the verse 19. Which says, Cursed be he that perverted the judgment of the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Nowadays, we see large banking scandals. How many on low earnings have had their savings reduced, and yet they look out and they see vast bonuses being paid out by the banks when many are unemployed as a result of their trading practices with tax, taxpayers' money. You know, the latest uh, slogan we have is fairness for all, and I'm not being party political here, but it's very hard to see as we look out on our world today that there will ever be fairness for all. Then go to verse 18. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way, and all the people shall say, Amen. This applied to care for the disabled. We're to take advantage of those who couldn't see and make money from them. And we should be aware constantly of those who are disabled amongst us. But you know, I think it applies much more than that. 
I think it applies to false teachers in our churches. We have many hirelings around. Jesus warned of these. He called them wolves in sheep's clothing. John 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But he who is an hireling and not the shepherd. Who does not own the sheep. Sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and they know me. I am known by those who are mine. They're the blind teaching the blind. And the people are not being shown the way of God. They're hirelings who do not care for their sheep. This can be joined with the curse, I think, of verse 26. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. Those who lead the blind sheep astray do not uphold all the words of the law and of the Lord. Between verse uh, 20 and 23, we have a number of curses for immorality and forbidden relationships. How rife this sort of behaviour is these days. There's no shame. In fact, there appears to be a kind of notoriety built up around extramarital affairs. The chap, the Terry, the English soccer captain, Tiger Woods are examples of this. Sadly, in the circle of so-called Christians, we see many divorced and remarried, and they are still accepted. Kenyon, who was the father of the word faith movement, divorced his wife. Amy Semple McPherson had two of her, do of her marriages end in divorce. We have this character, Todd Bentley, idolised by many, including people like Rick Joyner. He divorced his wife in favour of the woman he then married within a very short space of time and is back in the so-called ministry. Now I hear that Benny Hinn's wife has filed for divorce. All very sad and unscriptural. And then you have accepted writers, fellows like Hal Lindsay. He has been divorced three times and is currently married to Mrs. Lindsay number four. And nobody seems to mind. But you know, God does. God does. Paul was able to say when he was writing in his epistles, follow my example. What examples are people like these? Are sportsmen to those who adore them? Are so-called Bible teachers to young Christians? Verses 24 and 25, we come to two final curses under 
24 and 25. Cursed he that smiteth his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. These kind of laws, murder, and uh, uh, taking money to, to bump somebody off, they are well covered in our criminal laws. You know, the whole point about going through and looking at these curses is that we may be challenged, that we may all seek to live lives which are pleasing to God. In James 1, we read what God requires of us. 25, 26, and 27. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. We were just talking uh, earlier on saying that people can deceive themselves by their own thoughts and actions. They can convince themselves that what they doing, what they are doing is right. They haven't got control of themselves. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. How important that is. We have to live in this world. We have to live amongst those who are antagonistic to God. We have to live in a situation where God's name is cursed day by day. We have to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. want to live in the liberty of the freedom we have in God in Christ Jesus but that is not a liberty to do whatever we like it's to live and walk by truth and faith in the doctrine and teaching of the apostles thinking about this this morning and I just thought of that old hymn we used to sing I found a friend in Jesus he's everything to me he's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul the lily of the valley in him alone I see all I need to cleanse and make me fully whole in sorrow he's my comfort in trouble he's my stay he tells me 
every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He all my grief has taken, and all my sorrows borne. In temptation he's my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken, and all my idols torn from my heart, and now he keeps me by his power. Though all the world forsake me, and Satan tempt me sore, through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live by faith and do his blessed will, a wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. From his manna he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory to see his blessed face, where the rivers of the light shall ever roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. What was the first curse? To remove all the idols, the graven images which were an abomination. Look what that verse said there again. He, all my grief has taken, and all my sorrows borne. In temptation he's my strong and mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken. I have all for him forsaken. And all my idols torn from my heart. And now he keeps me by his power. 